0: Uh, you're not just gonna shadow, you're not just to help me, but you really, every man needs a good woman, and, uh, and I tell you what, he's got a winner there, and, and I tell you what, we just, we value you as a family, we value you and uh, everything you do, but not just for the sozo ministry you lead, the counseling you do here, and all the stuff you do, but really who you are, and uh, if you don't know this couple, you need to. Um, They're just fantastic, they're amazing, and they are a blessing, they've they've been part of our church for about 10 months-ish, right, roughly now, Um, and I tell you what, they are a blessing, and they're a blessing to be in our home group, they're a blessing uh, everybody they come in contact. It gets an upgrade and gets more value when they know them. So I'm honored to share this pulpit. I'm honored to be kingdom, and I'm honored never to hog this microphone. But I'm truly honored today that Josh gets to put a deposit in you and give what God's put on this heart today. So let's just honor Josh.
1: Thank you. I really do feel the love. This has just been such a great place for me and my family to come and really just heal and soak and grow and we are so grateful to this body. You know um, I've been really impacted um, by a lot of the teaching lately talking about sonship. If you guys enjoyed that yeah. it's been good stuff. It has been so good for me to hear that. And I'm going to talk about being sons. And I'm not going to say sons and daughters, but if I can be a bride, ladies, you can be sons. Just, it's okay. Just, just have grace on me for that. Plus, it's shorter, so I can save time. But um, I want to talk about how that's impacted me and um, just a, a little, little thing that's kind of stirred in me about that. Something that I've noticed in my kids is um, something, there are just things that I see in them that I want to, to grow in to uh, better understand what it means to be a son. You see, I am a son, I'm my parents' son, but that's not the sonship we're talking about. We're talking about what it means to be God's son. And Jesus is the example of that. And so, if I, you know, even I had a good childhood, but it wasn't perfect. But I have a perfect father. And so I look at what goes on with my kids, and I see some of the things that they do, and I'm like, man, that is how I want to relate as a son to my father. My daughter Grace, she's uh, almost 11 now, and she um, she would do this thing. She would just, wherever I was, she'd come up, she'd just jump in my arms, whether I was expecting it or not, and she would just know that I'd catch her. Well, she's 11 now, and she's still trying to do that. (laughs) And and I had to set her down. I said, sweetie, I appreciate that you trust me, that I will catch you, but you're not as light as you were when you were four years old. (laughs) But I thought, you know what? That's how I want to be with my father, is I want to jump and just know he's going to catch me. You know, just know that there's there's no question. Of course he's going to catch me. You know, and 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 that's I, I see here with that, and then um, I think of my son Caleb. And uh, a couple of months ago, he was playing some video games. He's a teenager. I know that's shocking that he would play video games, but he does. Um, he was playing video games with a friend, and they were going to download something. And his friend said, "Well, you know what? Guess what? If you just put a different zip code in, you won't have to pay tax on uh, it." He's pretty smart, but, and my son said. I will not do that. I am not going to rob from taxes to do that. And I didn't, I had not, I was just listening, I was just upstairs listening. He did that on his own. I thought, wow. He knows who he is. He knows the value of of how he should carry himself, whether anybody else is looking or not. And I thought, yeah, that's, I want to be like that with my father And then there's Kara, our youngest. If you don't know Kara, you need to meet her she could uh, she could find a mud puddle in a drought. She if you didn't see her today they were doing art she had to go back to kids church without shoes on because she got all the chalk and stuff it, it covered her whole body just, just, this is just today this is fresh but anyways um, one of the things that I think about her is um, it was about a year ago now we went to, uh, to Orlando we went to Disney and at Disney, they have this neat thing that they do. It's so every girl that comes in, they say, hello, princess, how are you? Which, which I think is pretty cool. I mean, that's, that's kind of kingdom. Like, every girl's a princess, right? Well, Kara comes through, and the guy says it to her. And he says, hello, princess. And she looks at him, and she says, oh, no, I'm the queen. <laughs> I thought that was great. <laughs> All right. I want to, um, I want to talk about, um, just as I'm growing and understanding what, what Aaron has been preaching quite a bit on Sonship, it brought to mind um, a prophetic word that I got from somebody a few years ago. There's a young man who had just kind of dedicated himself. Um, when I was pastoring at another church, he decided that he wanted to challenge himself every week and he wanted to give me a prophetic word every week. And so this is a word that he uh, had sent to me. I think I I have a, I'm not sure if I have it on the slide. It's not on the slide, I'll just read it. No, no, that's not it. All right, I'll just read it to you. God wants to surprise you with his presence. He says that his voice, his words, his scent can be experienced everywhere. Stop, he says, close your eyes. I'm right here. I'm never there. I'm always here. To pursue me is to realize that my banner of love is already over you. The only way to lose my presence is to try and earn it. So don't do that. And I thought that, you know, that was at a, a time I just, I really needed to hear someone like that. He's here. He's not hiding. He's not waiting for you to earn him to be around. He's not trying to get you to do something so that he'll show up. He's here. He's always here. He is, he's all present. But as I, as I looked at that, I thought, you know what, I am. Um, that reminds me of scripture. I wanted, to, you know, where does that relate? And I thought it popped in my head. I will never leave you or forsake you. Yeah. You know, you've heard that scripture, I hope. Yeah. If you don't, um, I think I have it up on the wall there. I will <laughs> never leave you or forsake you. But when I heard that, I had to figure out where it was because I, I knew it was in the Bible. But you ever know it's there, but you just don't know exactly where. So I had to go looking for it. And actually, it's not written just once in Scripture. I found out that it's something that recurs over and over and over and over again. And I think there's a reason for that. But let me show you um, some of the spots that, that, that you can find in the Bible. The first spot I want to show you is Deuteronomy 31, verses 5 through 8. This is right before Moses is about to die, right before he's going to hand things over to Joshua as the leader. And so it was important for everyone there, he's addressing all of Israel, for everyone there to know that Joshua was the leader and that God's going to be with him the same way as with Moses. And it's a public declaration. Everybody could hear it. Starting in verse 5. The Lord will deliver them to you, and you must do to them all that I have commanded you. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Hear it? He will never leave you nor forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their forefathers to give them. And you must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. So the next time that you see that in Scripture, fast forward ahead, this is Joshua 1.5. Right? Moses just gave it to the Israelites and the Joshua. Joshua's getting ready to take over. Now, here's Joshua, here, In Joshua 1.5. Here's what it says. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. This is specifically spoken to Joshua. This isn't just to all of Israel. Joshua heard this for himself specifically. Okay. Now think about Joshua and the shoes he was about to fill. Moses had led them for 40 years. right? Greatest, greatest leader, possibly, uh, arguably of the Old Testament, Moses. And any, any Jew will tell you, Moses was the guy. Right? And so here is Joshua. He's got to fill these big shoes. You think he needed to know that God was never going to leave him or forsake him? Probably was pretty important to him, like that. Fast forward a little bit to King David. Probably the other guy you'd say was the great leader in the Old Testament. Um, he's a man after God's own heart. A man of passion for the Lord. Listen to this psalm that he wrote. This is Psalm 27, verses 8 through 10. When you said, Seek my face, my heart said to you, Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me nor forsake me. Hear it? Do not leave me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord will take care of me. In other words, my family, my earthly family, people around me might leave me, they might fail me, but I know that you, God, won't. So David gets this revelation, and he puts it in the song. He has such a close connection with God that he, that he, that he writes about. So he's growing, he's, he's got this growing understanding, he's so close to God, he has this vision of this great temple that he wants to build for the Lord. But he's told by God through a prophet that he can't build this temple because he's he's a a warrior. He's got blood on his hands. He passes this on to Solomon. And here's the instruction from 1 Chronicles 28-20 that David gives to Solomon. See if you hear it this time. And David said to his son Solomon, Be be strong and courageous and, and of good courage. And do it talking about building the temple. Do not fear or be dismayed, for the Lord God, my God, will be with you. He will not leave you, yeah. nor forsake you, until you have finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. Alright, so David is passing this on. Moses passed it to Joshua. David is passing this on to Solomon. Alright? Jump down, 1 Kings 8.57. Is, this is during Solomon's reign. May the Lord our God be with us as we serve as He was with our fathers. May He never leave nor forsake us. So David learned this. He passes it on to Solomon. Because Solomon's filling some big shoes now too. Yes. right? Solomon had to catch this. It can be pretty intimidating if you're following this big leader. But the, the ultimate truth was the leader is God. Right. All right? If you are a son, you recognize that He will never leave or forsake you. It's just sealed in you. There's no question. When you jump, whether He told you to or not, you know He's going to catch you. That's what happens when you're a son. Next time I want to show you, this one's a little more veiled, but I think you'll see it. New Testament, Matthew 28, 18-20. through This is Jesus talking. Then Jesus, and He's talking uh, to the disciples. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That kind of sounds to me like I'll never leave or forsake you. Right? I'm with you always. Now think about Whose shoes the disciples are getting ready to fill? Yes. Jesus. Yes. Yes. They had some big shoes to fill too. They need to know. He was with them always. Final time I want to mention is the one that, that um, I um, highlight on my slides. Uh, it's in the New Testament, the epistle to the Hebrews. And the Hebrew <coughs> author, um, he, he concludes this letter in uh, Hebrews 13 5 and 6 keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said never will I leave you never will I forsake you so we say with confidence the Lord is my helper I will not be afraid what can man do to me Amen. at this point when this was written to the, the Hebrew church when that was written the church was fairly well established Okay? Things had been passed on. There were, you know, some of the apostles had already died. And the church needed to know they had some big shoes to fill too. Yeah. And by extension, these shoes are our shoes. That we're filling. Yeah. Yeah. That, that we have the same thing to carry on. We're Jesus' hands and feet. Right? Yes. Yeah. And so we have to fill these shoes. And to do that, we, as sons, we need to know He's never going to leave us or forsake us. Come yeah. on. Right? Now I hear you saying amen, and I would agree with it. The thing is, I don't, maybe some of you are saying amen just because it resonates with you, because anytime truth is spoken, there's just something that erupts inside of you, and you just love to hear truth. Right? There's just something, it doesn't matter how many times you hear it, if it's true, it's true, and it's just good to hear it. It's just like this repression that comes over you. Then there are the rest of us. You want to believe. You want to believe that he'll never leave or forsake you. And you do up here, it just doesn't always feel like it right here. And I've been there. That sometimes, like I know he'll never leave or forsake me, but I'm kind of afraid to jump right now. Right? I'm just a little a little nervous about that. So I think about, you know, I think that's probably one of the reasons it's repeated in scripture is they didn't, it's not just put there one time and then okay I got it. For us, for, for me at least sometimes, I need to hear it over and over again. It's just something refreshing, something new every time I hear it that, that I've got to keep hearing it again. Um, I think about um, a time in my life that I can probably best relate to. Um, when I had a hard time believing that, that he, would, he would never leave or forsake me. I knew he wouldn't, but as I'm going through it, I wasn't so sure. Let me tell you that story. I was um, living in uh, Wheaton, Illinois, going to graduate school. I on my master's degree up there. It was um, just a, a few months before Angie and I were going to get married. And so I lived in the Sandusky area. And we were getting an apartment ready for us to to move into there. She was living in Middletown. I was bringing things out to Wheaton, Illinois. And so I had my car loaded down with stuff. I had like a television, um, it was a VCR at the time, that'll give me a little bit, but I had a VCR there, which actually was worth some money, not two dollars at a garage sale back then. But, and just, my car was just loaded with stuff. And this was also before the time of cell phones. So, I am dating myself a little bit. <laughs> but, um, I'm, I'm, I'm driving there for some reason, I'm driving uh, through Chicago and I took the wrong turn somewhere. And I realized this was going to take me to a not very good part of Chicago. And as I'm driving the car, uh, I noticed that the engine is starting to die. And I'm thinking, no oh, this isn't good, my car is loaded with stuff and this isn't a very good area for me to be in. So I finally, uh, my car just sputters out and dies, and I'm right near the, the off ramp. And I'm like, well, I guess I'll go and try to find a gas station. So I start walking up the ramp, and um, all of a sudden this guy on my right peeks his head out of the apartment window and starts barking at me like a dog. And I can feel the hair on the back of my neck stand up, and I'm like, I'm just terrified out of my mind, terrified. So I'm trying to pretend like I can't hear him, <laughs> but I can't. But so I just, you know, I'm shaking, but I'm just walking. So I see at the end of the ramp, I see a, a gas station. And I thought, all right, well, there's a payphone there, and I'll just go. And there's just all kinds of people around this gas station. And uh, I walk, I, I walk up, and I, I go to the payphone because I had, I did have AAA, so I was going to call AAA as I'm on the phone, I hear this guy behind me. And he says, hey, white boy. Yeah. Now, I don't consider myself prejudiced, but I must have a little bit in there because I was the only white boy there. And I was a little scared. He says, hey, white boy. And I wanted to act like, all right, do I pretend I can't hear him? What's the better thing to do? Do I act like I can't hear him? Or do I acknowledge him? So, So I just waited there. And he said it again. Hey, white boy. Well, I'm going to have to acknowledge. So I turn around and he's like, You want to buy some rock? Ah! <laughs> and I just shook my head. No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and I looked down, this tops it off. I looked down and I realized I was wearing a Fat Albert t shirt. <laughs> And I'm thinking this this doesn't look good for me. This is this is bad. So I I finally I walk back down the ramp, get back to my loaded-down car full of stuff, and um, the uh, Illinois Department of Transportation comes by, and the guy comes out and he's like, What are you doing here? This is a bad place. You shouldn't be here. Yeah, I don't want to be here. I'm broken down. So he's like, Well. I can push you up to a, a little diner. It's not really that much better of a place, but at least you can watch your car out the window. So he pushes me up, and finally trip um, late comes, but it's not till about four in the morning, and they tow they me back, and I get the car back, and you know, I'm wanting to move into this apartment, we're getting ready to get married, and it's a relief. However, my car's not working. So um, I hike uh, like three miles to a target to try to get a part that doesn't fit, that doesn't work on my car. Um, I finally uh, get a friend to, to loan me his bike. As I'm using the bike, the chain falls off. <laughs> finally get the car fixed, go back to borrow my dad's truck to get bigger things and on the way back I have a small engine fire in the, in the, tar- in a, in the truck on the way back. And uh, you know, all of that is just—it's just kind of like, all right. I know he's never going to leave or forsake me, but I kind of am feeling left and (laughs) forsaken. And it's funny right now. It's a great sermon illustration now, but I wasn't laughing then. You know, it was—it was. This was serious stuff. I was at times. I was wondering, am I going to make it through this? And um, to me, that kind of illustrates. Uh, why I need to keep hearing, he will never leave or forsake me. That's what it's about. I was talking to God about that as I was kind of formulating uh, what this whole never leave or forsake me is about. And why do why do I struggle with that sometimes, or why have I? And I know some of you may never struggle with that. You may just be walking with so much power, you walk in a room and everybody is healed, and... You know, just angels follow you around all the time. And just the manifest presence is with you constantly that there's no question ever in your life. right? And and He is with you always. I'm just saying some people just know it. And some people know it, they just don't know it here yet. And so He was showing me um, that I believe that there are five reasons, five struggles that we come up against, that we battle with, that... Would would argue against that God would, would never leave or forsake us. And coincidentally, I believe that those five struggles correlate with the place that we can be ministered to by the fivefold ministry. Have You heard of the fivefold ministry? I think that it's been misused in some ways, because I want to I want to show you what the point of it is uh, first. Let's look at it real quick. This is where it comes from. It's from Ephesians chapter four, verse eleven through thirteen. A lot of times we read through the fivefold ministry there. You know, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. When we read that and we think, which one am I? But that's not what the, the purpose of it says. It says the reason the fivefold is to prepare God's people for works of service. So if you are a pastor. It's not a question of, okay, I'm a pastor, so I just just like to comfort and love people. It's a question of, all right, what else do I need to prepare me? So so in other words, if I'm a pastor, a lot of times we'll think, well, I just like to comfort people. That does not exclude us from evangelism. Right? It's not to go around and figure out what your label is, what your title is. It's to figure out where where do you need to be filled in all right what do you need around you and this can go for churches as well you know a pastoral church uh, may need some blowing in of the apostolic just a real quick to, to explain a real short summary of, of what each one is it's just kind of what questions they come into uh, when they look at a situation <clears throat> the uh, the Evangelist, the first thing they're going to ask is, is the person saved? It's all about souls and salvation. But you've got to have that voice in the heart. Are the people being saved? The teacher is saying, all right, does everything line up with the word? Are they going against the word in any way? The uh prophet's saying, what is the current voice of God saying? Are we listening to what he's saying? How is he speaking to us now? The uh, Apostle is looking at things and saying, all right, how can we impact the world? How can this this influence the whole world? And uh, the pastor is basically saying, all right, how can I make sure that people don't get left behind as we're advancing and moving through all this and and, and plowing through forward? How can we make sure that that everybody gets taken care of and everybody's cared for? And so in our lives, we've got to have all of those voices. We can't just assign one of those to us and say, alright, I'm an evangelist, so I don't have to care about anybody. <laughs> or this, you know, this, is, this is an apostolic church, so we just look at the world, and we don't care if people get trampled when we're going through that. That's not the point. The point is, we're, we're trying to get the fullness. We, want, we need all of those voices in there together. Alright, let me go through um, the different struggles. I'll, I'll go through this pretty quickly because I know we're trying to hit a time target. Here's the the first struggle I want to mention. The first struggle is, I am too bad. I deserve to be left or forsaken. Have you ever wrestled with that one? A lot of people, before they get saved, they think, you know, God doesn't know how bad I've been. He could never save me. I'll bet there are people in here before you got saved, struggled with that. You're like, you know, I believe in God, I believe that, you know, He could save me, but I'm just too bad. Well, let me tell you, I think that the, the counter to that is, is a good pastoral voice. Just telling you that you that, that he died for you and you're worthy. You know, nobody is so special that they've done something so terrible that Jesus couldn't die for. You're just not that special. Nobody's that bad. You, just, you, you can't do that. A lot of people think that, that, that they can, but you can't. My wife, Angie, is the best at helping me to remember this. That she, have you ever heard her talk about me? It's almost going to be annoying if, if, you don't, if you don't know. I mean, it's just like she'll just say everything great and forget everything that's not. I mean, she's just amazing at this. But I also found something else. That even though she has a great pastoral voice, she can't be my only voice. I need to hear that from Jesus. I need to spend time with Him and get that from Him, so that when she says it, I can believe it. If she says it and I haven't already heard it from the Father, then I'm just going to think she doesn't know me well enough. I'm just going to think, well, I've got, I've, you know, I've got a smoke screen. You know, she doesn't, if she just knew this, then she wouldn't think I was that great. But if I can spend time with the Father, and I can get that pastoral voice out of Him, Him telling me how much He loves me, Him telling me, yes, you are valuable, then when other people tell me those things, now I can receive it. Now I can give it. The second struggle I want to talk about is um, I'm pretty good. I don't need God. All right? You see a lot of the people on the other side of that. It's the, it's the opposite. It's like, my life is good. You know, I've got all this stuff going for me. I don't have any problems that I can see. What do I need God for? That's the other struggle people come up with. Why do I care if God would leave or forsake me? Things are good in my life. All right. And honestly, if you're here, you may not think you have that, but I want to question you. How do you live your life? Do you give Him much time? Do you act like you need Him? Okay, you give Him time on Sunday. Great. But do you act like you need Him for every breath? You know, this is not just something that that, uh, people would struggle with before you get saved. You need to remember how much you need Him as, as you're walking every step of life. Because if you recognize that, you know that He'll never leave or forsake you because you need Him. Amen. You need him. I see um, Israel in the Old Testament will follow this pattern, of forgetting how much they need him over and over again. And, and you know, most people will go through that. I think that the cure for that is to get around an evangelist. Because they will remind you, if the pastor's the one who's comforting the afflicted, the evangelist the one who's afflicting the comforted. Especially among the people who are already saved. Right? Because they're going to remind you that there's 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 more that you gotta be doing. Yeah, there's there's more that you can you can tap into. And if that's pulling you down too much, go back to the pastor and hear how great you are. But then you gotta go back to the evangelist and say, Alright, but you've got to keep pushing. You gotta keep going here. It's it's um it's great to be around people who have an evangelistic gift. Because they remind you that you can do it too. Right? Even if you're not a natural, then get around somebody who is. Don't just go and say, I'm more pastoral. I'm not an evangelist. Sorry, that's not how it works. Our model is Jesus. He filled all five. All right? Our model is Jesus. And so if you've got a place that you need to be built up in, wonderful. Just shows you need Him more. But go work on it. And if you're stretching yourself, if you're pushing like like an evangelist will, you're going to slip up from time to time. You're going to need that pastoral voice. But it can be very dangerous to just sit with the pastoral voice all the time hearing how great you are. You need that time. We do. And if that's all you ever hear, that's really dangerous because then there are churches who just become a pastoral church and it's just this blessing club. Everybody sits there and nobody affects anything. Nobody brings anything in. Nothing, Nothing happens. So you've got to have that voice. The third struggle is, <clears throat> we can struggle number three, struggle believing God exists. I've seen this one. And I've seen this one in Christians. Alright? Okay, maybe he, if He was real, He'd never leave or forsake me, but I'm not so sure that He's real. And... Some people just have a greater gift of faith than others, and so they don't struggle with this at all, and they're like, what do you mean God's not real? Okay. But other people, it's just like you've got to keep something going constantly, or you're going to start slipping and thinking, well, maybe God isn't there. Maybe I'm just making this all up. I believe that the, the fivefold that addresses that best is actually the teacher. And I was surprised when I was talking to God about that that it would be the teacher. But then I, I, I realized that the hebrew definition of teacher is somebody who teaches you and demonstrates it okay so so a real teacher is not going to just say here's what the word says go be happy it said they say here's what the word says let's try it out let's go see that it's true and as you're walking with the teacher as the teacher showing you that as you're getting that that teacher voice and you're checking to make sure that things are, are right but you're also recognizing how real God is, because everything lines up with the Word. So if the, if the evangelist makes us aware of our need for God, and the, the pastor makes us realize, all right, we are valuable enough for him to save, then the teacher comes in and says, and this is real. Yeah, you need God, and, and you're valuable, but if you don't think he's real, it doesn't really matter. So the, so the teacher comes in and he shows you how real. When I was a kid, I had I I got to apply this first hand. It kept going playing in my mind. It's really the reason I think that I came to the Lord. It kept playing in my mind that that the Scripture, you know, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, we talked about this in Greg's group on Tuesday. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, pick up from here and move over there. And as a kid, that stuck out to me. And I thought, okay, I'm not sure if God is real, and I don't have any mountains around me, but I maybe have a lot of mustard seeds. So what can I do? I need, to, I need to, to see something. I need to see you. And I don't recommend just doing whatever. But this is what came into my mind as a kid. I was sitting in a real, the church that we went to, real traditional, they had candles at the back. And I said, God, if you're real, we you extinguish that candle back there and then let it light back up? And it happened. Now you can say, you can explain why that happened. You know, you can say, well, it was just a really small wick and then it pushed it back up and it came out. I don't know, but as a kid, that's all I needed. Because it happened when I asked for it.
2: It happened when I, when I needed
1: it. All right, let me jump to the fourth struggle. Fourth struggle is believing that God is good. We go over this one a lot here. God is good. Yeah, we say God is good, but how good do we think He really is? We blame Him for a lot of stuff that's not His stuff. You know, we 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 think that you know we, we talk about. Uh, the acts of, of God. And, and if you go through a tough time, there are two types of people when you go through a tough time those that get closer to God and those that turn away from God. And so I've been through a tough time. I had my cousin die a few days. Uh, my cousin, who's my best friend growing up, died a few days before my college graduation. And and, and I just witnessed to him early that year. He received Jesus and he died in a car accident. Just a few days. on his 22nd birthday. And it was just like, wow, I don't get this. And then a little later in life, um, you know, about 10 years ago, my grandfather, who was kind of really a spiritual father to me, lived in Florida, worked at a um, uh, ministry for homeless men. Uh, he uh, was dying of cancer. And so you know, I'm like, this could be the last time I'm gonna get to see him. So I jumped uh, in the car, made arrangements with my work, drove straight down to Florida, Down to the Tampa area, and uh, I'm like, I just, I gotta lay hands on him, I gotta pray for him. I prayed for him, laid hands on him, you know, his church was there, um, and he died. And so at that point, it's the kind of time that I needed, you know, I could have really said, um, God, are you good? I could have really struggled with that. But what happened is, I believe the prophet addresses this, and right after the funeral, there was a prophet who was in town, and he pulled Angie and me aside, and they just started pouring prophetic words into us, and it was just like we were just like drinking it up, drinking it up, and the prophet comes in, and 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 the real the real um, duty of a prophet, and, and this is according to First uh, Corinthians four fourteen three is to edify, exhort, and comfort. All right? They're going to show you how good God is. It's not to show you how bad you are. It's to showing you how good God is. The last one is the struggle. The fifth struggle is believing God is powerful. Believing God is powerful. A lot of us really walk in this. How powerful do you really think God is? We all put limits on him all the time. Because if we believed he was all powerful, everything would be bowing right now. Everything. And it's the apostle that comes in and says, God has the ultimate power, the ultimate say. The apostle opens the, our eyes to the potential for more. That there is more. That, there, that I had. Um, I had. Uh, an experience uh, several years ago I went on a ministry trip to Brazil with Randy Clark and uh, Bill Johnson was there and this was like right after he'd written his first book so he was just starting to become popular at the time and i would never seen anything like this and he's just standing up there with his hands in his pockets and he's like uh, in a minute here I'm gonna ask for the Holy Spirit to come he wasn't yelling was not screaming and all of a sudden like just people just started falling over and shaking and I'm just like I've never seen anything like this but what happened is it just opened my eyes that there's more. Amen. And that there's power that we have not even tapped into. Amen. There's so much more that we can do at. Right so let me go to uh, that. There's a summary slide. You can move forward to that one. It has all. Little... Oh, yeah, there we go. <clears throat> well, I had switched the format, so it's kind of jumbled a little bit there. But basically... The lie um, is, I'm too bad. The pastor will, will uh, address that. I'm too good. The evangelist addresses that. God's not a real teacher. God's not a good prophet. And God is not a powerful apostle. But let me summarize this. You can put all the five of those into one cheat sheet. All right? The lie is, I'm not a son. And the truth is, Jesus. Okay? We can skip forward. And just say, we just need Him. Because He's the fullness of the fivefold. We need all five of those in our lives. Any area that you might have a deficit needs to be met by God first. All right? So I want to just wrap things up. Why don't you put your hands on your hearts. Lord, we thank You, we praise You that You will never leave us You will never forsake us. Lord if we have any deficits there I pray that you would uh, minister to us right now in response. if there's any unbelief if there's anything that we question that, that you would minister to us and then give us eyes to walk out that belief that you will never leave us and forsake us that we can walk in and Lord if we're not struggling with that I pray you would show us uh, if there are people around us who are and give us keys to minister to them Lord don't let us tell them how good God is if they need to believe he's real Lord, give us eyes to see that. I pray that you would just be with everyone and bless everyone as we go, that we would bring your kingdom. Your kingdom would be known in advance. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.
0: Amen. That's good. Awesome. Hey, just say it. Say, I'm a son or I'm a daughter. Say it. Okay, say it again say it again. We need to get that. We need to believe that. Next week I'm going to continue on Sonship and we're going to talk about the spirit of adoption. And I believe that the spirit's going to come upon us as the children of God and we're going to be adopted as his very own children and heir to